0: Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you. I am always so encouraged every single time I do preach because you guys are like the most encouraging welcoming, inspirational body. So I'm so thankful to be a part of this church and to be a part of it with you guys. So thank you so much. Um, I am really excited about this message from Meals with Jesus. How have you guys been liking the series thus far? <laughs> Yeah, I, when Josh first told me about it, I was like, meals with Jesus, like that's such a cool idea because it, it breaks apart the scripture and pulls out these really amazing moments because when you have a meal with someone, it is a more intimate moment. There's something more happening there, and so what a cool idea, and it has been awesome to see all the things that God has been speaking through uh, the book of Luke as we have pulled out these individual moments. And I was actually really excited when Josh told me that I was going to be speaking on Zacchaeus. Um, uh, It's a really cool portion of Scripture. And what I've been doing kind of for the last couple weeks is reading this portion of Scripture every single morning. I wake up and I read it and I let God speak to me through it. And so uh, I want to invite you into that process with me today. We're going to begin uh, in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, and we're just going to read through this story. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. This is a really cool portion of scripture, a really cool story, an amazing encounter that we're seeing here. For those of you guys that don't know, I grew up in church. Uh, My parents are Christians and have basically, since the moment I was born, been taking me to church. I distinctly remember being a little kid and my dad's playing the guitar on stage in our tiny little church, and I'm sitting there just flipping the slides for the projector. Like, that's how we used to do worship. Was awesome. Just me up there flipping slides and my dad, just one man show, uh, playing the guitar and singing. And so uh, if you've ever heard Pastor Josh talk about kids church and the felt boards and the little characters, like that was my life. That was my childhood growing up. So those are like ingrained in my mind, in my memory. And so when he first told me the portion of scripture that I was going to be speaking on, and I heard the name Zacchaeus, My mind went only one place. Every time I get the mic, I find a way to sing. I don't have a good voice, but guys, here it goes. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And that's it. I know the rest of you guys remember. That's it, though. That is awesome all I recall uh, from the song. I know, I know the important part is everything that comes after that, um, but that's the only thing I remember. So it's like when I hear Zacchaeus, I just think we little man, like that is a narrative that has been burned into my brain. Um, But how many of you guys know that we all live with different kinds of narratives? Uh, Some of them are cultural in our world, but we each have narratives even in our own personal lives. Uh, I love my daughter. She is so fun and so inquisitive and curious. And if you spend like a day with my daughter, she'll probably ask you 500 different questions. Um, And our drive to school right now is literally like less than five minutes long. I think it takes me like two or three minutes. Uh, But she will in that time find at least 10 different questions to ask me. And they're all like really deep and meaningful. And so I just have to pick one and kind of go with it. Um, But recently at her school, they were talking about ancestry and who are your ancestors, who are you related to, and she really like, she really wants us to be related to people who have done really great things. (laughs) And you know, so she can share that with people. Uh, But this is a personal narrative in my family. Uh, My dad's side of the family is really into genealogy, is really into our family history, and so one of my personal narratives uh, that I've known since I was a little kid is that I'm related to Abraham Lincoln. So, I know, like, claim, claim to fame right there. Uh, if we ever play two truths and a lie, that will be one of them. You know, that's just the one that's always been on my list. So, if you play that with me, you'll know it's me based upon that or uh, whatever my other, li- I'm a terrible liar, so you'll know it anyway. Um, but that's the narrative. I'm related to Abraham Lincoln 16 times removed. But I legitimately have no idea what that means, (laughs) (laughs) but I just continue to regurgitate it and tell it to people uh, because it's been told to me and I'm passing on that wonderful tradition to my daughter, you know, so I tell her, you know, she's talking about ancestry and like, are we related to anyone? I'm like, yeah, related to Abraham Lincoln, 16 times removed. And so she tells her friends at school that, and they're like, no, there's no way you're related to Abraham Lincoln. Although it's really funny, one of her friends claims to be related to George Washington, and they all believe that, like, hands down. So I don't understand the discrimination here, uh, but I'm like, no, Lucy, you tell them. Related to Abraham Lincoln, 16 times removed. You say that, they don't know what it means, and they're not going to be able to question you on it. So we stand on that truth. That that's our personal narrative. Um, another one is, and I, you know, my parents tell me all these things. The other one is that I'm allergic to SEPTRA. I have no idea what that is. Could not tell you. Um, I went to the doctor recently, and this will tell you how, like, your narratives age. Uh, I went to the doctor recently, and they're asking you all those basic questions like, are you allergic to any drugs? And I'm like, I'm allergic to SEPTRA. And the nurse looks at me and goes, what's that? What's <laughs> that? And I'm like, I have no idea! It's just what my mom has told me since I'm a little kid. If I only want to ask you if you're allergic to anything, I'm allergic to SEPTRA. So if you're a nurse and you know what it is, tell me so that I can more accurately tell other nurses what I'm allergic to. Personal narratives. There are things that we know, things that we've been told that we carry throughout our lives. Um, But how many of you guys know that not all the narratives that we are told and believe in our heart are true? Yeah, some of them are very inaccurate, and I spent some time this week just out of curiosity. I'm like, what are things that all of us believe that aren't really true? Um, You know, like, this one, I honestly, I still can't believe it. I still argue with science that uh, tomatoes are actually fruit. Like, I'm sorry, tomatoes are not fruit. Like, I don't care what you say, tomatoes are not fruit, like, Whatever science says, tomatoes aren't fruit. Um, But (laughs) there were some really interesting ones out there that I honestly didn't even know weren't true. Like I still believed (laughs) that they were true. And so I'm gonna invite you into this educational moment. Maybe there are some things this morning that you believe that are true that really aren't. Are you guys ready? ready? All right, here's a few things that we were told are true but are not. it takes gum seven years to digest in your system. Raise your hand if you've believed that. Oh, come on, I can't be the only one. There was a lot more in the first service, so maybe I should have just asked you first if you believed that before I told you it wasn't true. Um, That is not true. It does not take seven years for gum to digest in your system. I don't know if we tell kids that just because it drives us crazy. Like my kids ask me for gum all the time and then immediately eat it, which like I get because like it's, it feels like food, right? You put it in your mouth, you chew it, then you should swallow it. doesn't make sense that we don't swallow it. So it's like, you know, my kids swallow gum, so I mean, if I tell them, hey, if you swallow this, you're not it's not going to pass for seven years. Maybe it will scare them into not swallowing it. I don't know. We tell people that, though. All right, another one. Uh, this one actually like hurt my heart when I heard it. Penguins mate for life. I definitely remember being told penguins and ducks they have one partner. They mate for life. If, if they lose their partner, then they're single for the rest of their life. It's not true. It's not true at all. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know if it's, like, the people making, like, duck and penguin, like, stuffed animals or paraphernalia. They're like, no, these mate for life. Like, you want this, like, all this penguin stuff. It'll make you like them more until so you'll buy their stuff. I don't know. Guys, I'm just trying to imagine why on earth would we think that? The penguins made for life, they definitely don't. All right, another thing we've all believed. How many of you guys have heard that lightning never strikes the same place twice? Yeah, yeah I have heard that. Not even remotely true. Um, I, I was reading this thing that's like that, one of the towers, I think it's like the Willis Tower in Chicago is struck like hundreds of times every single year. So it's like, not just once, not just twice, hundreds of times. Um, so yeah, definitely don't believe that one. Okay, last one, and this one just makes me laugh. Um, How many of you guys have heard that if you're stung by a jellyfish, you should have someone pee on you? that's like common knowledge right like if you're stung by a jellyfish immediately find someone to pee on you it's not true either like i don't know if you've ever peed on someone after they've been sung i i'm so sorry i know you were trying to do the noble and the right thing um but don't yeah it's okay don't do it if if you or someone you love gets stung by a jellyfish just go to the doctor. <laughs> don't ask somebody to drop trow and pee on you. Like, just don't do it. <laughs> okay, some things that we've believed that maybe are not true. But honestly, you know, the peeing one, not so great. But for the most part, those are all pretty harmless things to believe that end up not really being true. Um, but there are some narratives in our life, in our heart, in our world that are very harmful to us if we believe them. And as I was reading this story, I've been going through this book with my small group one of the ideas that it keeps bringing forth is this idea that the world tells us that everything that we get we have to work for, and so we bring that into our relationship with Jesus that the forgiveness that He offers, the love He offers, is something that you and I have to work for, that we have to perform for. Has anyone ever felt that way or heard that? Man. That is a powerful narrative in our world. And so as I'm reading this scripture and it gets to the end and it's talking about what Zacchaeus does. He gives away money. He gives away uh, back to the people he's taken it from. And then Jesus says right after that, today salvation has come to this house. I'm reading that and hearing this narrative that I'm wrestling with already in the back of my mind. And God is really challenging me in this moment. Is that what that's really saying? I feel like oftentimes we have these thoughts and ideas that the world puts on us. It's part of our culture. And so when we read the Bible, we try and stuff the Bible and what we believe about Jesus into the box of our culture rather than challenging the culture by what the Bible says about Jesus and about who he is. So this morning, I want to challenge that narrative that Jesus only loves and forgives those who earn it. I want to challenge it because I believe that the Bible tells us something so drastically different. Would you pray with me this morning before we get started? Lord, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that you are good and holy. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we go through your word, as we examine this encounter, God, would you touch our hearts? God, would you challenge our thinking? And God, would you reveal to us who you are and who you say we are through this scripture? God, we love you and we give it to you in your name. Amen. All right, so let's start then back at the beginning of this scripture. Chapter 19, verse 1 says, He entered Jericho, again this is Jesus, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. We've talked a little bit in the previous messages about this idea of the tax collector and who that was in this Jewish society. Israel was under the Roman Empire. He was under Roman rule. And so... um, Sorry, my brain just skipped there for a second. Um, And so they used this tax collector, these people who were actually in the uh, people that were being oppressed. So Rome took someone who was a Jewish person and gave them the job of collecting taxes from the people that they were a part of. And it wasn't just like, hey, just, you know, collect the right amount of taxes, you know. Here's some lists of deductions and things that you can have. Like, I did my taxes recently. Guys, my taxes make me have a heart attack every single year, trying to make sure I get the right uh, amount of deductions and all the things going on. But that's not at all what was happening here. The people who were tax collectors not only took what Rome wanted, but they were taking more above and beyond extorting and abusing the people that they were a part of so they were seen as traitors first and foremost by basically working for the bad guy right and they were seen as thieves people who were stealing from their own people abusive This is the person that Jesus encounters in this story. Zacchaeus was not just part of the normal people in the crowd. He wasn't part of religious society. Zacchaeus was an outsider. Zacchaeus was on the outside of the crowd. There's a lot of people in this story. It says there was a crowd of people so big that Zacchaeus couldn't even get to a point where he would see Jesus. But this is what is so amazing about who Jesus is, is that Jesus brings in the outsider. Jesus goes to the people who are on the fringes and brings them in. Have you ever felt like an outsider? You know, Zacchaeus felt like an outsider because of the things that he was doing in his life. He kind of put himself on the outside. But I think oftentimes we can uh, uh, understand and sympathize and empathize with that feeling because we have felt like outsiders in our own society or in our own culture. Maybe you feel like an outsider in your family, or maybe you feel like an outsider in your workplace, You know, it's kind of like that cliche thing, but when I was growing up, I felt like an outsider in high school. Like, I remember being in high school, going there for the first time. All these people knew each other, and I was stepping in as someone who I didn't know anybody. I had not lived in that kind of culture at all. I went to a tiny, tiny private school my entire life, and then started in this big high school. Like, I didn't know the right things to say. I didn't wear the right clothes. I was not on the in crowd, and I felt so outside, so outcasted. But guys, I will never forget I found Jesus in high school. And man, that moment that he said, he looked at me, and he said, I know you feel on the outside, but I bring you to the inside. Jesus came to the fringe for me, and Jesus comes to the fringe for you. There is nothing in your life so big, so grand, so difficult that it separates you from Jesus, Jesus comes to the outside for you. You know, I, I feel like God really gave me that experience um, for a purpose. You may not know this, but one of the jobs that I have here is I'm the connections pastor. And so one of my jobs is to take people from the outside, essentially from outside of our building, when you come in, and it's my job to help you become part of the congregation, to become a part of the family of Banner Church. Because I know what it's like to be on the outside. I know what it's like to not feel like you fit in. I know what it's like to feel like you don't know anybody. And Jesus wants to bring you to the inside to say he loves you, he knows you, and he wants to bring you to the inside. And I love being able to be a part of that mission that he has here at Banner Church So you've ever felt on the outside, I'm here to tell you Jesus wants to bring you to the inside. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have all been on the outside because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it says that Jesus came and died for us while you and I were still sinners. While we still felt on the outside, Jesus came to bring us in. So because of our sin, we may be outside, but Jesus says it is not too outside for him. He will go to where you are. And that is the beauty of this interaction that's happening here is you're taking this juxtaposition of two people where Zacchaeus feels so far on the outside but Jesus is the one who has the power and the authority to bring him in. So how then does Jesus bring in Zacchaeus? We look at verses four and five. It says, so he ran on ahead, this is Zacchaeus, and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. The reality is that the scene of what is happening here, this is a a busy moment. There are people who want to see Jesus. They've heard about his ministry. They've heard about the miracles that he's performing. And everyone wants to see who Jesus is, right? Zacchaeus is not the only one. But Jesus, this is so beautiful about him. I love this word. It says that he looked up. I mean, I I can only imagine that there is a crazy amount of sound and noise and clamoring and people who want to get into the position to be noticed by and seen by Jesus. But Jesus chooses to look at this man who is in a tree. I mean, the most childlike position to run and climb a tree And Jesus looks up and sees him. And that word, looks up, is not like he was passing by and just like happened to notice movement. You know, it's not like he noticed him in his periphery and was like, oh, like there's a person in the tree. This same word is used later on in Luke when it says that Jesus is in the temple. And he says he's watching the people come and give their tithes at the temple. And it says he sees it looks and sees the religious people giving out of their abundance. And then it says he looks and sees the woman, the widow, who gives her two coins that he she gives out of her poverty. It wasn't just that he happened to see it, that it was happening in front of him, but it was that he noticed it. He gave his full attention to that moment. In that moment, he saw the woman in this moment, he sees Zacchaeus. He has focused his attention on Zacchaeus and sees him. You guys, Jesus sees and knows you. He sees you and he knows you. Jesus Saw more than a man who was trying to get a better vantage point to see him. He saw a man whose heart and whose life was in turmoil. Zacchaeus was a social outcast. He was a man that everyone hated. In fact, they loved to hate him. (sighs) Zacchaeus was not well liked, well regarded. He would have been the person that if people, if he was trying to get to see, Jesus they would have been like nah like keeping him back like you don't get to see him you don't deserve to see him but Jesus sees and knows Zacchaeus he knows what's going on in his heart and as he's the outsider and he wants to bring him in he does this amazing thing by calling him out by name I love that There's no reason Jesus should have known Zacchaeus' name. Like, we read that and we're just like, oh, yeah, like he calls him by name. He doesn't know Zacchaeus. Like, there's no reason he should have been able to call him out by name, let alone recognize him in a crowd and be like, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. He'd never met him before. But that is like what is so amazing about God, right, is that he knows everything. He knows you, Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms, and I pray it over people all the time. And in it, it says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. God knows every inch of you. He knows every detail about you. In Luke chapter 12, when he's talking, uh, he's saying Jesus is encouraging them to not be anxious and to trust God. He says that God knows the amount of hairs that are on your head. Like every single one of them is numbered. I don't know if you can get more intimate than that. To be able to know something so intimate, so deep about your people. And then he calls him by name. John 10, 3, Jesus is talking about the good shepherd. He says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. He calls them by name. Your name is important. You are not just a number. You are not just a person in a crowd of people. You are known and loved and seen by God. God. Jesus knows you. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He knew everything that was going on in his mind. He knew what drove Zacchaeus to run and climb that tree to get a, a to be able to see Jesus. He knew it, and he calls him by name. I mean, this is the thing, guys, right? That you know Jesus is going through Jericho. It says that he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's near the end of his ministry. The very fact that he goes through Jericho and he stops to have an interaction with Zacchaeus is absolutely amazing and absolutely highlights the heart of god that he would reach out in a crucial moment in his ministry to pick out this one man who felt so completely on the outside who was sinful and felt the weight and the shame of his sin but desires to know jesus jesus sees him and this is what i want you to hear this morning if you're writing anything down write this down this morning Jesus wants to engage you in a relationship. The lie of the world is that we have to earn the relationship of Jesus, that we have to earn his forgiveness and his love, but the truth is that Jesus is the one who initiates and instigates, and he is the one who has come to have relationship with us. He tells Zacchaeus, hurry down from the tree so that he can receive him in his house. Jesus is the one who invites you and I into relationship. He is the instigator of relationship. You know, Jesus isn't silently waiting for you and I to come to him. He's so incredible that he comes to us like the perfect Messiah comes to you and to me to say, I want to have relationship with you. Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was the mission and the ministry that he was called to. He represents it so perfectly and so beautifully in a parable in Luke chapter 15. Starting in verse 4, he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous person who has no need of repentance. Zacchaeus is the lost sheep. He is the one who is lost. He is the one who is wandering. Jesus is the good shepherd that goes and seeks him out and finds him. Very clearly, Jesus tells us at the end of this story that he is there to seek and to save the lost. He's not there to wait for the lost to come to him and then offer salvation. He seeks them out and offers them salvation. You know, I I laughed because I kind of thought of, like, that whole idea of homeward bound. You know, we are not the golden retriever and the little cat trying to find our way back to Jesus. We are thoroughly lost. We're We're not finding any trails or making our way through the hills of Northern California. Jesus is the good shepherd who goes out and seeks the sheep who has wandered away from him to bring him safely home. You guys, you and I, we are all lost sheep. If you know Jesus this morning, then you know that feeling of having been lost and then being found by the Savior who loves you. But this morning, if you do not know Jesus, I just want you to hear me say that you are the lost sheep that Jesus goes to find. He loves you so desperately that he is not content with you being lost. He is not apathetic to the fact that he's just lost a sheep. He desperately seeks you so that you may find him. He wants to engage you in relationship with him. This is the true narrative of this story. This is what Jesus is trying to tell us, that he longs to bring you and I into relationship with him through salvation. So if that's what Jesus is telling us, that he's here for us, that he longs to be in relationship with us, then what can we see from Zacchaeus? What does Zacchaeus do? If it's not a performance-based thing, if it's not an earning Jesus' love, then how do we look at what Zacchaeus does? How do we look at what happens and apply that to our own lives? And I think that there are three really important things that we see through this interaction with Zacchaeus. And the first one is this. That we're to open our hearts to Jesus' call. This morning, Jesus is calling you. Are you going to open your heart to him? Verse three and four, it says, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. That's why he ran on ahead. That's why he climbed the tree because he wanted to know. He wanted to see. Like I said, this is several years into Jesus's ministry. He had been uh, performing miracles. He had fed the 5,000. He had healed the blind man. He had healed the lame. He had told people, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and I think It is safe to say that those in Jericho would have heard the stories of who Jesus was, of who he said he was, and of who people said he was. Zacchaeus is Jewish, and so he knows they are waiting for the Messiah. They are waiting for salvation. Jesus, or excuse me, Zacchaeus didn't climb the tree hoping to find friendship or someone who would just receive him. He was waiting and looking for the Savior. I want to invite you this morning, open your heart to Jesus' call because he is here, he is knocking on the door of your heart, and he says, I offer salvation to you. I have it for you. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, it's, excuse me, I think I believe it's 20, Jesus says that he stands at the door and knocks. And he says, whoever would open their door, I will come in and be with them and eat with them. Jesus wants relationship with you. He is knocking on the door of your heart, and he is saying, will you open it to me? Will you open up your heart to the truth and the life that I offer you? So this morning, will you open your heart to Jesus' call? Secondly, we see... But Zacchaeus receives Jesus joyfully. Will you receive him joyfully? Verses 5 through 6 says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. This wasn't a moment of joy that comes through pride. It wasn't like, yes, Jesus chose me of all these people. It wasn't pride in what Jesus had done for him. It was a recognition of the acceptance of the offer for salvation that Jesus gave to him in that moment. Zacchaeus was waiting for the Savior to come. He was waiting for Jesus. And in this moment, Zacchaeus, I-, I can only imagine the amount of sin and shame that he carried with him. Can you imagine that, being absolutely despised by your own people? To live in a society and in a culture where you are hated? The sin of what he had done, of cheating his people, of stealing from them, of being a thief, I can only imagine weighed heavily on him. And in that moment, Jesus invites him down. He recognizes Jesus as the Savior. And there is freedom that happens in that moment. As he comes down from the tree, the things come off of his shoulders. The weight comes off of him because he is about to receive the Savior. He's about to receive forgiveness. He's about to receive salvation. He's about to receive freedom. Freedom. I mean, I can just, I can only imagine that moment. And honestly, do I have to imagine it? Because I have been there. I've been in that place where I felt like the weight of my sin was crushing me. But Jesus says, I have come to offer you life and life to the full. I've come to offer you freedom. You guys, this is why we are passionate worshipers. You know, I, I, I apologize not at all for my crazy hand-raising movement. I will dance. I will shout. I will jump. Because Jesus has given me something that the world could never offer me. (laughs) He's given me freedom. And this morning, that is for you too. There is freedom that Jesus wants to offer you. And when you receive it, the only response is joy. Joy because you are free from the weight of your sin and your shame. And that is exactly what happens with Zacchaeus. And so the final thing, we open our hearts to the call of Jesus. We receive him joyfully. And finally, we draw near to Jesus and allow him to transform our life. Band, you can go ahead and come up. We draw near to Jesus, and we allow him to transform our lives. Verse 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So, the question for you and I this morning is how do I draw near to Jesus? And Zacchaeus shows us we repent. We repent of our sin. We ask Jesus to rescue us, to redeem us, and we ask him to be the Lord of our lives. Right before this verse, and I think this is sometimes where we get confused or we feel that confusion, it says that the people were grumbling, saying, Really, Jesus? You're going to go in and eat with this man who's a sinner? But what Zacchaeus does by giving away half of his wealth, which it says he was rich. says he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So he had a lot of wealth to give. But what he does here isn't, I don't think it res, it's a, a reflection of anything that the people say. It's not because of what they said that he then feels like, oh, okay, shoot, I got to get myself right and say, okay, I got to give away what I took that wasn't mine. I don't think that's what it is. Zacchaeus had lived a long time apparently at this point. He was rich and he was the chief tax collector. So I imagine he'd been at his job for a while. That means he'd probably spent a lot of his life being told that he was hated. He probably spent a lot of his life being told that what he was doing was wrong and being despised by his own people. And I think if you've lived long enough in that way and been told that enough times, like it wasn't enough to move him. It wasn't enough. There wasn't enough uh, sin and shame to try and just make myself better. It was the encounter with Jesus that completely changed his life. It was the offer of salvation, of freedom, and forgiveness that drew him to repentance. I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? It says God's kindness leads us to repentance not our repentance leads us to god's kindness towards us god's kindness comes first our repentance is a response Zacchaeus had experienced this life of sin and shame he comes down from the tree experiences life anew Second Corinthians says that whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. In that moment, he is able to put the past behind him and say, I am turning and focusing my heart on Jesus. I will draw near to Jesus. And God transforms his life because he allows God to work in his heart. Zacchaeus gets the greatest gift that we could ever imagine, and that gift is here for you today if you will receive it and allow Jesus to transform your life. Because again, Jesus is the one who's pursuing you. You do not have to earn his love. You do not have to earn his forgiveness All Jesus asks is that you come to him, that you recognize that he is the Lord and Savior of your life, that he died for you on the cross, that he was resurrected and he invites you into that resurrection life, that new life. The old is gone, the new has come. Would you stand with me this morning? I think that there are two questions that you and I can ask ourselves this morning based upon this encounter that Jesus and Zacchaeus have. The first is, have you drawn near to Jesus? Have you accepted him and made him the Lord and Savior of your life? And secondly, if you have, have you allowed him to change your life? Have you allowed him to do the miraculous work in your heart and in your life? Is your life different because of Jesus? We can look at Zacchaeus and say yes, Zacchaeus's life was forever changed because of Jesus. Zacchaeus spent half a day with Jesus maybe and God changed his life forever. But I think there's a really interesting thing if we look at Zacchaeus and we compare him with someone like Judas. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. He spent lots of time with Jesus, he witnessed miracles, he heard the truth from Jesus, he spent time with him, but it never went deeper are judas never allowed jesus to transform his life you know what's so funny is the thing that took judas under was his greed right he sells jesus out for 30 pieces of silver the very thing that zacchaeus willingly gives away more way more than judas probably ever had is the one thing that judas can't let go of what is the thing in your life that you are holding on to that is keeping Jesus from transforming your life i'm not talking about earning love or forgiveness i'm talking about the transformational work that Jesus wants to do in your life what are you holding back from him what are you holding back from him today would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning I want to give you an opportunity if you have ever felt like an outsider if you feel like you are too far from Jesus whether that's because of like Zacchaeus you just feel like there's so much sin there's so much weight there's so much burden in your life how could Jesus love you how could Jesus come to you I'm here to say Jesus seeks you out you are the lost sheep that Jesus will go to the ends of the earth to rescue and redeem or whether you just feel the weight of the world upon your shoulders jesus says i love you i see you i know you and today he is knocking on the door of your heart saying will you open it so that i can come in and be with you and transform your life so i want to give you that opportunity this morning if you want to say yes to jesus if you want to say yes to a new life in him then i want to invite you wherever you are just lift up your hands to him say jesus i want to know you i want to be known by you i want you to change and transform my life would you come in and change my heart jesus i give everything to you jesus i want you to know if you made that choice today That Jesus is with you, he loves you, the Holy Spirit is with you, and he is going to change you from the inside out. You are a new creation in him today. And secondly, if you're here, and that question, have you allowed Jesus to transform your life, that is ringing in your heart. Today is the day. If you feel like, no, my life does not look any different. I have not given Jesus every part of me. I have not allowed him to change my heart and my mind. Today is the day. Jesus does not reject you. He is not disappointed in you. He's not frustrated by you. He says, I want to change your life. I want to offer you what the world can never give. Lay down the thing that is keeping you from me so that I can give you life and life to the full. So this morning, I'm gonna pray over you and then I wanna invite you, if you wanna say yes to Jesus, if you wanna say yes to him for the first time, or maybe today is the day that you say, yes, Jesus, transform my life, change my heart, remove every hindrance, every burden, then I wanna invite you, come to the altar, lay it before him. This song says, draw near to me for I have drawn near to you. Jesus is here to say, I have drawn near to you. Will you draw near to me and let me make the impossible possible in your life? Jesus, we love you this morning and we say, God, we want to give you everything. Man, there is nothing the world has to offer that will ever change my life like you do, Jesus. God, we pray, would you change us from the inside out? Would you transform our lives and our hearts and our minds so that when we walk out of this place, we are a reflection of you, Jesus, and all that you have done because it is good. And we want the world to see what you do, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we worship you this morning. Amen. I want to invite you, come forward, give this moment to Jesus, draw near to him, because he is drawn near to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.